0: Welcome to the Painting Experience podcast for February, 2014. On the Painting Experience podcast, founder Stuart Cubley explores the potential of the emerging field of process arts and shares inspiration and insights from his ongoing workshops and retreats. In today's episode, Stuart discusses how we can open to the unique and powerful creative force that's innate in each of us. It always perplexes me how sometimes somebody will say to me, you know, I don't have a creative bone in my body, or I'm just not a creative person. And it perplexes me because I just don't feel like it's possible to be alive and not be engaged in the creative process. And that it's not something that's added on. It's not like an add-on that you either have or don't have. But it's essential to the very way in which we are living and engaging our our own individuality. Because for me, the creative process and the creative force is really the interface between this unique individual, who was me, and the world in which I find myself and seemingly different from myself, and how that interaction unfolds over the course of my life, and how what form does this unique person named Stuart manifest in the world and respond to the potential that exists within him that doesn't exist in the same way in anyone else? So I just don't see the creative force or the creative process being separate from living. I mean, it, it is the process of living. And so what I'd like to talk a bit about is, is first of all, how do we experience the creative force and then secondly what do we do with it I think that the experience of the creative force in us has a quality of something that has not yet happened it has a quality of a potential and the potential is latent in other words it has not yet been manifest that's what creativity is about there's a sense of something that's possible and so What does it mean to experience that in our lives? And I think we all do. And yet, there's an essential decision that we make about it. And I would say that it's a question of whether we take it as something good or something bad. As something right or something wrong. Because there's a very easy road to travel down in which we take it as something wrong. And this is an essential fork in the road, actually. And I think it's important to kind of bring our attention to it because the ramifications of going down that road are very, very different than going down the other road. If you assume that there's something wrong with the experience of the creative force, that leads you into a very, very complex labyrinth of uh, eventualities, which is very different than if you engage it as something right. So, if we assume there's something wrong with this experience that we have of the creative force, which necessarily has a certain it has a sense of lack, because there is this space opened up, there is this sense of potential that's not yet manifested, that's not yet realized. There's an emptiness to that. It's almost like it's a hole. And it's not comfortable, for sure, that hole. That unrealized potential is asking something of us. But if we assume that, "Uh uh-oh, that's wrong, I've got to do something with this, there's often three ways in which we then travel from there. Number one is try to override it and just live our lives, and just assume uh, I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm just going to put my nose to the grindstone. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do what's expected of me. Uh, I'm not going to pay attention to that yearning that might be under the surface. It's too disturbing to pay attention to it. So I'm just going to pretend it's not there so that leads to a certain way of life and and i would say often erupts down the road when the our expectations aren't met and when, when we thought we were doing everything right and living by the book and then everything explodes in some fashion and we have a we have a major crisis and then there's a further opportunity to wake up to a different possibility of relating to the creative force but it's all stems from that original decision and assumption. Now, another way that we often deal with the feeling that there's something wrong uh, with that emptiness is trying to fill it, of course. And I think we're all familiar with what that means and how this kind of gnawing emptiness in the pit of our stomach uh, can so easily translate into a spectrum of behavior which goes from just simple overindulgence to addiction, and this way in which we want to fill it and fill it to fill it. And, of course, it's never filled, and so the addiction becomes ongoing, and, and it can be addiction to any way in which we try to fill that hole. And we know the ramifications of that, the dead end of that. And, again, that stems from this original decision Uh, This original take on on this feeling uh, that the creative force brings to us of emptiness is that we need to fill it. And then I would say the third way, it often comes from more of an awareness of the fact that filling it doesn't really work, is that we attempt to find a way to fix it. And so we engage in all sorts of teachings and psychologies and practices and and workshops and in an attempt to to fix the problem. In other words, we've got this hole I can't avoid it and I can't fill it so I've got to find a way to to fix it. I've got to find a way to adjust myself. I've got to get to a state of mind and a state of being where the hole is not a problem. And you can see this play out often with people who really spend their life as seekers and with just running on the illusion that the next workshop, the next insight, the next psychology, something will relieve this disturbance that I feel. And that if I could only find the right key, then, then it would be better. And it's kind of sad, in a way, to see someone later in their life who, who really has, you know, there's a kind of desperation behind it. There's, a, there's often a feeling of just grasping. And a real self-diminishment as well, because to assume that that there's something wrong with you that needs to be fixed is essentially, it's not true. So I want to back up and go to that first fork where we sort of automatically can assume that this discomfort that I feel, this potential that manifests as a kind of emptiness, as 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 a yearning, as a kind of call... If I don't make the assumption that it's wrong, that it's threatening and that it's wrong, but I'm I'm willing to entertain the fact that it's right and that it's actually the creative force at work in my life and it's my own destiny, so to speak, calling me. It's my own potential. The way that my own potential manifests is through this this sense of opening, this potential which feels rather cavernous at times. It can feel, it has a huge unknown quality to it. And that's one of the reasons I think that it's threatening. Carl Jung says at one point that the conscious necessarily rejects the unconscious. And I think in my own experience, there's a lot of truth to that because you can imagine the unconscious as being that which is not conscious right and which is much more of the whole than what our consciousness is we have our consciousness is a little bubble of the world that we have created for ourselves with our own self identity and our own a sense of priorities and it's not wrong it's true but it's not the whole picture and the unconscious represents the whole it represents the the larger reality And, of course, can appear to be very threatening to this bubble that we've created, and at times can be. So, it's uh, natural that it feels threatening. But I think to hold it in this light and to sense that the creative force, if it's at all intelligent, if you do believe that the creative force and the creative potential in you is intelligent, then it goes beyond your own personal understanding And so to come in right relationship to that which is beyond your own personal understanding is really important. And all these attempts that I just mentioned are ways in which we try to avoid that which is beyond our personal understanding. By trying to either avoid it, fix it, fill it. These are all rather desperate attempts to to keep this little bubble intact. And the fact is, the creative force is trying to break the bubble. It's trying to burst the bubble and do it in a way that's growth-oriented, that's not destructive, that's creative. And so the question becomes then, well, how do we relate to this sense of potential, which has a feeling of it, of emptiness, perhaps fear as well? How do we relate to it in a way without making it wrong how do we relate to it as something right and i think this is really an essential decision that changes everything because if you then begin to engage it as something right with the world something right with your world it becomes a very very different thing and it's going to require different things of you it's going to ask you to for one thing to not know what to do these other attempts are you thinking you know what to do, and you're going to go about doing it. But here, if you don't react to it in that way, you actually want to explore it. It it starts to move. It's dynamic. And I think one of the fears that we have, and one of the assumptions we make, is uh, it's this kind of static, bad place to go, and that it's dead. And the fact is, it's not dead. It's extremely alive. And as you begin to explore it, you find that it moves. And I would say the first thing you might experience is that there's something that feels right about exploring it. It's almost as though you're finally engaging yourself without turning back because of your fear. You're finally engaging this part of yourself. And there's something that feels right about that. Even if it's scary, even if you don't know what it's going to yield, even if you think you might be going crazy, there's something that feels right. If you're honest, there's a a visceral sense of rightness. So I think there's a question then, okay, well, how do I actually do this? How do I explore this in my own life? And how do we explore this in the painting process? How do we use the powerful tools of color and form and image and gesture to partner with the creative force. We'll explore this further in future podcasts, and I hope this has been helpful for you today. I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. You can learn more about the painting experience and find a list of upcoming process painting workshops by visiting our website at www.processarts.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. The theme music for this podcast comes from Stefan Jacob. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join us again soon.